Hey, and welcome to The Short Stuff. I'm Josh. There's Chuck. Dave's here in spirit. So that's a short stuff quorum. That's all you need. And this is short stuff. That's right. And we're here, <laughs> we're here to dispel the rumor that Christopher Columbus discovered America. Who no, knew? That's so old. That is pretty old. Are well, we really going to talk about that? No, no, we don't have to do that. That was definitely a 2008-ish, 2009-ish kind of thing to say. But what uh, are we going to dispel? Well, so uh, the, I think one of the things we should at least say, because not everybody knows this, is like the first Europeans n- definitively to reach North America were the Vikings. I know a lot of people know that, but not everybody knows that, Chuck. Not everybody knows that. There's a Viking settlement that was discovered that I think they suspected for a long time because I think in the Norse sagas, they, they basically said, yeah, we made it to Newfoundland, um, that the Vikings actually had made it to North America. And then finally in the 60s, I think, they found a real deal, bona fide, totally incontrovertible Viking settlement from about 1000 CE at a place called Lanso Meadows which I've always wanted to go to because I've always wanted to go to, to Newfoundland for one, but mm-hmm. to see like a, a Viking settlement in America would just, whew, that'd be something else. That would be great. We so, could go berserker. Right, right. Take a bunch of shrooms, get a battle axe. Yeah. And, and then celebrate the fact that they were the very, incontrovertibly, the very first Europeans right. to touch that soil. And that's, or were they? Oh, I was going to wrap up short stuff. You're right. It, it, there is a chance that the Vikings were even beat. So the Vikings would have beat the age of exploration by about 500 years. There's a theory, and it's got some legs conceivably, yeah. that somebody else beat the Vikings by 500 years themselves, and that some sometime in about the 6th century showed up somewhere in North America. And who was that, Chuck? Uh, the Irish, and I don't buy this, but I think it's a great story. You don't buy it? Uh, no, I think it is folklore. Okay. But we'll we'll talk about it anyway, because it is a fun story. But in the 6th century, uh, as the story legend tale goes, St. Brendan was an Irish monk, very good uh, sailor and seafarer. Very saintly. Uh, sup- very what? Saintly? Saintly. Oh, <laughs> saintly and saintly. Yeah. Uh, supposedly undertook this jo- uh, this voyage, a joyous voyage, a joyage, <laughs> and with some fellow monks, and went looking for paradise, the land of promise of the saints. And after seven years, came upon what he thought was this place, an island so vast that they did not reach the far shore after forty days of walking. That had a river that was too wide to be crossed, mm-hmm. a forested wooded land with lush fruits. And he and the fellows filled their boats full of gems and returned home. So the Irish found it first. Yeah. And I mean, like, if you, like, he ain't talking about the Azores. You can definitely walk across them in 40 days. There's not a lot of islands in between Ireland and North America. So it's really not clear, uh, you know, what St. Brendan was talking about, where he went. And he wasn't like a dummy. He didn't accidentally stumble onto Europe. Like, he'd sailed to Europe before. He was like a skilled navigator. Mm-hmm. So he is assumed, is presumed to know, have known enough that he knew what direction he was traveling in and that this really was like a, an all-new place that, that, that his kind had never set foot in before. That's right. And in the ninth century... So several hundred years later, there was an, uh, this account, actual an account of this surfaced called uh, Travels of St. Brendan. 
Navigatio Sancti Brendani. Magna Carta, Master Charger. <laughs> you take the bus, we all take the bus. <laughs> uh, it was a big hit. It was translated into a bunch of languages. And, um, you know, it was the account of the journey. There are all sorts of crazy things in here. Oh, yeah. Which um, maybe we should save that for the second half. Okay. Because that's right. where it falls apart a bit with me. Okay. But should we talk a little bit about the Vikings uh, maybe lending some support to this idea? Sure. Yeah. Um, so the the Norths have those sagas that I was talking about, right? Where it's basically like, we did this. This is neat. This is cool. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, here's something else we did. And there's like a lot of, um, there's a lot of uh, like credul- credulity to it. Like there's, it's not just like um, Norse mythology. That's almost mm-hmm. like a separate thing, although it's definitely intertwined. Like they, they, think that these are actual like historical documents in a lot of cases or at least have a large kernel of historicity in them Mm. and so in those sagas they talk about arriving in greenland uh, around a thousand ce around the same time they would have set up the the place in newfoundland um, and finding irish missions that were already there well, that's a little odd, and and also we should say the Norse were familiar with the Irish already, so they would have known an Irish mission if they came upon an Irish mission. Yeah, sure. So that uh, that would suggest that the Irish beat them to Greenland at least, which is pretty pretty significant. Yeah, there was another saga where they talked about meeting uh, some of the Native Americans who already had seen white men. They were like, we know guys like you. And we've encountered guys sort of like you. They were dressed in white, and they came from a land uh, across from their own, or, or our own, I guess if I'm in character. And then there was a third saga that talks about the Norse encountering a tribe of Native Americans who spoke a language that even sounded like Irish. Right. So, so a these, lot of little clues here. Yeah, these are recorded by the Norse, and they definitely do suggest that there was possibly some Irish who made their way over to the New World before the Vikings even did. But like you said, there is a lot of, um, there's a heaping helping of folklore along with all of this. And for people like you, Chuck, it breaks down everything. I like to hold out hope that this is possible and true. And let's talk about it a little more after these commercial breaks. We're in a divided camp. Uh-huh. House divided. <laughs> uh, this is when the petroglyph comes in. Uh, Barry Fell, who is a marine biologist at Harvard University, mm-hmm. found some petroglyphs, which are <laughs> rock-carved writings, uh, in West Virginia in 1983. And he said, you know what these are? This is Ogam script. This is, this is uh, an Irish alphabet. And it was used from the 6th to the 8th century, and I even think I know what it's saying. They're talking about the Christian nativity. Sure. What else are you going to write on a rock? Sure. And that's Irish, clearly. Uh, It's not, you know, from Native Americans. And Fell said, here, everyone, take a look at this stuff. And the academic world said, "Eh, I don't know about that. I don't even know if this, I don't know about your methods, 
It's definitely not a fact. They said, aren't you uh, a marine biologist? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, this could be Ogam's script, but it's really not proving anything. No. So the, the it's still not definitively been shown who wrote that. It's called the uh, Horse Creek Petroglyphs near Clear Fork, West Virginia. Um, and they don't know who wrote it, but I think the local... Um, uh, archaeological society came out and said it's pretty racist to assume that rather than the local indigenous people leaving these petroglyphs that it was some mythical Irish um, monk who who made his way over here allegedly rather right. than the people we know were here in this area at that time yeah um, but regardless of, of whether that's the case or not, like no one has said, oh, well, it was these people and this is what it says. So there's still definitely room for speculation. But from what I understand, there's there's virtually no academic who, who believes that this is, in fact, Agam script. And even if it is an Agam, that it doesn't necessarily talk about the nativity. So we can kind of discard that as evidence. Like there's there's not certainly not incontrovertible evidence of Irish presence because of that, those petroglyphs. Yeah, and where it falls apart for me, but not, not I've been thinking about it, maybe not completely, is when you start to look at the account, the Navagatio, mm-hmm. uh, the Travels of St. Brendan, which was the account of his voyage. It is, it is really out there and wacky. It talks about an island with an Ethiopian devil, an island with monks who celebrated Christmas, who were just there. Uh, they fought a griffin at one point and killed a griffin. Mm-hmm. Um, all kinds of fantastical stuff. They they went to one island and set up camp, and then it turned out, oh my goodness, this is not an island. We're actually on a giant whale. So let's hold communion. So let's have communion. I don't know if that was where the communion was. It was a bunch of whale stuff, but okay. they definitely held communion on a whale at some point. It might have been that chapter, but... It's kind of crazy stuff, and I started looking into it. There were it, 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 what it is is an Irish Imram, which were these seventh and eighth century uh, seafaring adventure tales written by the Irish, sure. and it it fits in with that. And so I immediately dismissed it. I was like, no, this is just an uh, Imram, and it's you know it's just made up. But I thought, well, maybe not. Maybe it took the style of that because that was what was popular, and maybe it really did happen. But it just they gussied it up with these fantastical tales. They dressed it up. Yeah, and the Navigatio was written about two to three hundred years after St. Brendan would have lived. Right. So it certainly wasn't his own account of it. But the it's almost like, to me, it's almost like Hamilton. Like, if you came along and saw Hamilton, the musical, mm-hmm. you're like, this is ridiculous. They they didn't rap. Hamilton wasn't a rapper? <laughs> right. Um you're like there's a larger point to it in that there was a person named Alexander Alexander Hamilton. He did do these things, you know, but it was dressed up to make it palatable or understandable to people at the time and then embellished, I'm sure, although I don't think Alexander Hamilton would have given communion on the back of a whale. Um, but it's still in the same ballpark. And to me, just because somebody came along and, and dressed it up with, with folklore, clearly folklore, doesn't mean that there's it doesn't right. remove the possibility that there is a lot of kernels of truth still in there somewhere. Yeah, I kind of I kind of got there during the last eight minutes. I'm glad about that. Uh, what is interesting is one of the things that they uh, kind of used to say, no, this probably couldn't have happened, was the fact that the sailing technology at the time, the boating technology that he would have likely used, is this little boat called a Kirok. 
and it a c u r r a c h and it's this you know it's a it's a homemade boat basically made out of wood with an ox hide and like tar and stuff to put it together and they're like there's no way this guy could have made it that far in one of these kuroks and in 1976 uh, an author and adventurer named Tim Severin said you know what i'm going to see if this is possible and he built one of those supposedly in the style that they would have built them back then and he retraced that route that Brendan is believed to have taken from Ireland to Iceland and Greenland and eventually Newfoundland and he made it yeah like it took some, me a year he showed it is entirely possible and again this this St Brendan was supposed to be a very skilled navigator so it it it's possible at least that 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 happened if St. Brendan actually did exist, who so knows? So like many Stuff You Should Know shorties, this ends with a big shoulder shrug. A big shoulder shrug, a puffy question mark with a heart for the dot. Amen. Uh, and by the way, you can read this article um, that we found on How Stuff Works. I wrote it myself back in the day. And with that, short stuff is out. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Listener.